Hello, everyone. Hi there. Uh, number two, man. This is this number two? Yeah, it is it's number two. It's number two, yeah. Thank you to everybody who listened to number one. We've had some nice feedback. Eh? We have, yeah. It's been really nice that people have been paying attention to it and, you know, actually checking it out. Yeah. I was worried that no one would. <laughs> Me too. I mean, I think there's about 40 people have listened to it, but that's more than none. Someone from the Netherlands listened to yeah. it. Yeah, Hong someone, Kong. Yeah, someone from Pluto listened <laughs> to it, apparently, according to our uh, distributor for the podcast. Um, so, number one was just a brief introduction about what we're going to talk about. We had a laugh. Uh, number two is a little different. What we got? We've got the Mr. The Mr. We've got Mr. Craig Reynolds. <sighs> what a cool dude, man. Man, he's crazy. Uh, yeah, so Craig visited us recently to do a clinic and was kind enough to lend us about 40 minutes uh, of inter- interview chat, uh, and he is a podcast bro. Yeah, he's 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 a, he's a veteran. Some yes. would say uh, it was number one, number two for us, and number twenty six for him. It was aye. So yeah, that. and he's had great guests on his. So I've just got done listening to his interview with Mike Johnson. I've started it. Yeah, mm-hmm. what do you think? It's great. Yeah, I think Mike Johnson could literally talk to anyone, and it would be interesting. I think so, and I also think you could talk about anything. Yeah. I reckon, you know when people play those games, like your top five dinner guests? Yeah. Mike Johnston is in everybody's top five dinner guest list. They just don't know it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so far so good. Agreed. Uh, but Craig was really fascinating. Um, so, yeah, what we'll do um, is we'll just dive into that. Uh, we'll let it play, and then we'll talk about it afterwards. Sweet. See you so, on the other yep. side. Enjoy. So we are here. This is podcast number two for us. We just literally just dropped podcast number one. Dropped and now we're, we're dropping number two. We are. And we are very delighted that Craig Reynolds is here. This will be uh, podcast 26 for me. Oh, really? Are you just going to hoover this one off? Yeah, us? I'll take over from here, boys. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is great because our first podcast guest happens to have a very successful drumming podcast. So uh, any trade secrets? Well, you've already had one off me. Mm. Ditch the headphones if you can, yeah. Because you get people to admit stuff because they forget that they're in like a studio situation. Great, great. Adam years ago was trying to start a podcast and did a whole episode and forgot to hit record. I've done that, but luckily halfway through I realised and we restarted. Oh, that was good. But it was still. And actually, I'm not going to tell people because if they listen to this, because they listen to my podcast, then they'll wonder which one it is. But what happened was it was going relatively badly anyway. Oh, really? Just it, it, it was a little bit stop-starty between the two of us because mm-hmm. we didn't really... And we knew each other. Um, and then the malfunction happened and then we re-recorded, re-recorded, but we talked about all the same stuff again. But it, we were like... It was like eight out of oh. ten cats. <laughs> Just like <laughs> boom, 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 boom. And like break the ice is broken because the thing malfunctioned, right? Yeah. And you can kind of go, oh, we're normal people. Yeah, and we had like... There was even... <laughs> we like redid the jokes. Oh. But, there was like, <laughs> but there was like a quicker quicker like rally between the two of us. Banter train. Yeah. So Banter what's train. up? How are you? I'm all right. I'm uh, sat at my warm-up stuff in your lovely shop. Mm. Um, about to, I guess, after this, I'll do some warming up mm-hmm. and then do a nice clinic. I don't know about you, Adam, but it was fairly impressive earlier. Eh? It was. It was great. It was. R- you have potentially the loudest snare drum in the galaxy. I think, honestly, because I'm. I think in the UK, I'm the only person with, other than people that have a 
actual bell brass with like a Terminator bell brass with bell brass hoops. I think I'm the only person in the UK that has a Tama bell brass with VK bell brass hoops. So I might actually have the loudest snare drum in the country. <coughs> I don't doubt it. Does it go everywhere? Is it like the drum? It is unbelievable. It's the best drum on earth, but it's so heavy. Mm-hmm. It's like... How much does it weigh? 18 kilos. And Whoa. I think it's like 19 with a hard case. That's like half a kit. Yeah. And so there was a stage when I would bring it around. I would fly to America with it because anytime I play any other snare drum, I just don't get the same feel from it because mm. it's like a gun. But I would uh, I would take it around airports and basically you've just got to pretend you're not carrying something that's 18 kilos. Because if they clock you, because I'm trying to put it on as hand luggage, and they'll clock you and they go, that looks really heavy. Can I just weigh that? Oh, it's 18. Yeah, you've got to check that. And then you end up, you're checking a 3,000-pound drum in the hold with a hard case, yeah. not like a flight case. Yeah, that'll get thrown. Mm-hmm. Yeah, chucked around. Yeah, yeah. So I've started, I've got actually, probably shouldn't say this, but I will. Uh... I've got a Black Beauty that I play in America. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just put die-cast hoops on it so it sounds a little bit Lovely. harder, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and then Alan VK has just built me the same spec as the Bell Brass, like with the same hoops and everything, but it's all aluminium, oh, okay. including oh, cool. the hoops. So and the lighter. whole thing is six kilos. Wow. wow. But it's a tank. It's a five mil. It's even thicker. It's five mil and the hoops, but it's... Five kilos. Do you get close to the same sound? Because aluminium's got to be drier. But you know what? It's so much ringier. Really? It's. Cr- I was really surprised. Yeah. Because like an acrylite is way drier than yeah, other, yeah. like a Black Beauty or most aluminium stuff like that. It's so ringy. I should have brought it. Mm. That'd be cool to see though. So, what recordings have you used this bell brass on? The new Stray from the Path album that I announced 25 minutes ago. In fact, I announced it seconds ago, but I was supposed to do it 25 minutes ago. Um, <laughs> The new album, Internal Atomics, which we recorded in, I want to say March. Cool. We used it on that. In America. In America. And what happened was our producer, Will Putney, he tried the Bell Brass Hoop for the first time. And he's like a massive gear nerd. Um, And he was like, yeah, I need one. Uh, I absolutely need one. And so I messaged Alan and was like, yo, can you give me, because Alan gave me a good deal on the um, hoops. I paid a little bit more than what they cost. Wow. Um, And then I said that Will really wants them because it transforms the snare sound. And Alan was just like, do me a favor, just do, do me the video for the Danny Carey snare. And you can just just leave those hoops there and I'll give you another pair. Oh, wow. So he hooked me up. I don't know if I'm supposed to say that he hooked me up. Uh, I paid for them. (laughs) But (laughs) Will was like, this is unbelievable. When you hit the hoops on their own, they sound like Zilbells. Yeah, I'll bet it's crazy. So when you combine that with like someone, I don't ever play not a rim shot. So it's, you get this, imagine playing a Zilbell every time you play a snare. (laughs) You get that high end. But it sounds unbelievable in the recording. It's just that black album smack. Yeah. So what what was your sorry Chris? No, what was your kind of kept rundown? Is it very similar to what you used live? Or? I, I used the SLP steel kit. Oh, oh no way. Yeah. nice! Yeah, nice. and it was. Uh, it, I'll tell you what. I'll be hundred percent honest. 
Guards down, no headphones. <laughs> <laughs> um, I I got it from Tamar US. There was like one in the country at that point, and they were like, this is the one that was at Nam. Mm-hmm. So if you want it, you can have it for like super cheap. Um, and I was like, you know what, I'll get it. And I'll, if it's good, we'll record with it and I'll keep it and I'll sell my, I had a birch babinga over there. Mm-hmm. And if it's bad, I'll just send it back to them. Mm-hmm. And uh, we got it and it came with G1s on it. And to be honest, tapping it, it sounded pretty good out of the box, mm-hmm. but I can't record a metal album on G1s. No. <laughs> so we took the G1s off and we put clear G2s on it. The worst drum kit I've ever heard. In my life, it was unbelievable. It was like bouncy balls with wow. clear heads on it. Okay, and then we put coated G2s on it, and then it was immediately phenomenal. Wow. It's like there's like a, an amount of ring, which it's the same with a bell brass. It is if you had like a a spectrum of ring where twelve o'clock is a perfect snare sound. One is too ringy and 11 is just right it's like if something's slightly too ringy it's too ringy it's but really weird because people ask us about that all the time and you don't realize how much of a difference it can make clear versus coated it's f- unbelievable and then so the other thing we did was we put you know like a little bit of Aurelex foam like that yeah, yeah. just put a little bit of that inside the shell mm-hmm. and it just breaks up the vibrations very slightly but Will loved it. Our producer loved it so much that he said, oh, I'll split this kit with you and you can just leave it in here. It'll be your US kit. So when you tour, you can take it, but I'm going to record everything from now on with that kit. Well, so go. I've seen videos of him doing, I don't know who he's done since then. Um, I guess that kind of goes to show as well that there is like a right head for a right kit as well. You know, Yeah. 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 Drums in their sweet spots and all that. Yeah, totally. How do you get that energy, man? See that live energy you have? How do you capture that recording? Because that's one of things that growing up really difficult when you're recording to capture that kind of energy <sighs> I'd never get that kind of energy I never get it as right. much as I want it mm. mm-hmm. I always come out of the studio thinking I could have hit harder I could have done this I could have done that mm-hmm. but it's weird I don't think you can ever get the same like alpha game mode as you can <laughs> as like there being an audience in front of you. Yeah, yeah. But sometimes I'll choke up in the studio. I think I'm, in terms of this recording versus the last one, I definitely was more prepared for this one and I played worse. Right. Okay. In my head, played worse. Would you ever do a live album, do you think? We did one. Oh, did you? Yeah. Okay. We did, uh, it's called Smack. Either of you watch Always Sunny? Oh, I love it. I absolutely so love it. Do you, <laughs> so do you know the episode when they go to the school reunion? Yes. And they yeah. do the thing outside with the beers, smash them up. Oh, yeah. And they yeah. shotgun the beer and they smash it on the smash thing. And they go, smash it up, smash it up. And they smash. <laughs> so we started, when I joined the band, we started, a couple of guys in the band are straight edge, so they don't drink or anything. Um, but we started, before each show, we would shotgun a Red Bull and then chuck them on the ground and go, smash them up, smash, smash them up. up. And they just literally stole it from that. So we did a live album on our last Euro run in February. We had a sound guy, uh, Julian, French guy, who was amazing. And one day he was just like, oh, this is not uh, racist, but I'm going to do French accent. Uh, oh, uh, I recorded the set today. And we were like, oh, cool, let's hear it. And it was like a mixed album. And we were wow. like, holy shit. So on the road, we just paid him. And we, we recorded one one song in each city cool. of yeah, yeah. the set. Yeah. 
So I believe the Glasgow one is Good Night Alt Right, which is one of our biggest songs. Sweet. And it was uh it was tough. Because that that was gonna be like how was the energy live for that? You know, was it a very different Obviously, it's a different process because you get one pop at it. Uh, definitely, yeah, definitely rushing. <laughs> 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 so we only play half the set with a click as well. Right. Okay. So you can hear. I think, I, I honestly, I it makes me feel better about my playing when I listen back to the live album because we were pretty adamant to not edit anything whatsoever because there's so many people that have like live albums and live videos yeah. and yeah. they're overdubbed. Yeah, yeah, people yeah. don't realise what you can get away with. Yeah. And it's quite scary as well, like how how in-depth it can get as well. Right, so, uh, there's a Slayer DVD, War at the Warfield, and it's so overdubbed that you can hear crashes when he's not hitting crashes and oh, stuff like that. Oh, and it's like, you didn't need to do that, but someone in the studio has had that decision yeah. and they've made it sound like a CD. Mm. But we were like, let's, you know, let's just keep it 100% natural. And now I can actually, if I'm actually feeling bad about my playing, which is almost every day, uh, I can go back and listen and be like, fully did that because I'm guilty of it sometimes I'll like well, tweet yeah, well. especially in the studio especially people, with shotgun Red Bull pe- yeah exactly <laughs> but people have like a, a an expectation of tightness which is unnatural mm-hmm. people see everyone like I can't who do I hate that I can actually say their name but you know <laughs> like the drummers that have their YouTube videos and they're fully quantized yeah, yeah. that's now people's perspective of a, uh, perspective of a drummer which yeah. doesn't exist so to like have something out there which I know is 100% my playing. Same thing happened with Autotune when it first came out as well. So they would, good, genuinely good singers would go into the studio and they would have, like, they would sound amazing. And then as soon as Autotune came around, they would Autotune bad singers to sound great, mm-hmm. which then made the naturally talented singers not sound as good. Yeah, because yeah, they don't, well, they've got a chip on their shoulder and they're like, I'm not using Autotune. And yeah. then actually people think they're worse. Yeah, exactly. And then they had to get Autotune because of that, you know. Reading an, in, uh, an interview with Vinny. And he was doing a session and he'd done a track and he finished the take. And by the time he walked from the studio to the control room to listen to it, the guy was putting it on the grid. And he's like, he didn't say anything. He's like, well, you, he's, oh, I'm just gridding you, man. He's like, oh, okay, cool. And, he, and they listen back. He's like, that sounds terrible. Why does that sound terrible? He says, it sounds terrible because you put me on the grid. Yeah. I'm deliberately not there. People aren't even listening. Before they've actually listened back to it, he's trying to fix it. Yeah. Without actually any context. And that's the way people do it now, and especially in metal, because no one can play like Superior Drummer, and everyone's, except for Alex Rudinger, <laughs> no one can play like Superior Series. I've seen, mm, I've yeah. asked for the stems of his files off, so before I knew him, off a guy that I know that was mixing it, because I was like, I don't believe this guy's videos are true. Give me the fucking stems. Oh, didn't say that. That's all right. Cut that bit out. Here we go again. Oh, good. Give me the stems. Um, and... I want to see, and none of it's on the grid, but it sounds gridded. Anyway, um, people are just used to that in metal, so there's stuff that's gridded in every metal album you've ever listened to. There's stuff mm. that's gridded. Yeah. Except maybe Triggered. the new Slipknot doesn't sound gridded. Right. Mm-hmm. I'm sure they've cleaned some stuff up, but it's very live. Do you know Ali Richardson? I love Ali. Yeah, we had a good chat with him about that stuff, eh? Because he did um, our drum show two years ago? Uh, no, it was last year. 2018 just before you started just before I started yeah and, and Ali's a monster at all that he's stuff. unbelievable and we were talking about you know he doesn't use uh, triggers and things you know because that's obviously big in your industry right yeah Metal world especially, especially I d- I've got nothing wrong with triggers live because I don't use them but mm. 
if you play badly on triggers, it sounds worse than if yeah. you had a mic. Because if you like, if you play a little feathered sixteenth note by accident, mm-hmm. that the gate on a microphone is going to get rid of. If you play that on a trigger, it's coming out. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So you can go. <laughs> but in the studio, yeah, people do the after. They'll just like find every snare, and then they'll just add a sample on that snare. I know of a metal album. I'm not going to say what it is. Where and it's got blast beats in it, like really fast blast beats, where somebody was paid to go through the whole thing and replace the snare with the same snare sample. There was no dynamics whatsoever, just the same WAV file. No, no funny like turn this one up, turn this one down. They just popped in the same one. Wow, bored in here. Not going to tell you what it is, but mm. and the album sounds incredible. That's the thing. It doesn't sound like it's, that. That's happened. It's yeah. weird. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ali makes a point of that, the way he purposely says whenever he uploads stuff, like, there are no samples in this. There is no triggering. Yeah. Like, this is 100% no raw. Just yeah. He's very tight, and he drinks so much. <laughs> and it just makes me jealous. Because he, like, he'll play a show, and then he'll party like an animal. Like, I've hidden from him <laughs> on tour before. <laughs> I had to sleep. He'll remember this if he listens to it. I had to sleep in a cupboard... Um. I, we were in Manchester. I had to sleep in a cupboard because he was looking for me. <laughs> and it was like 5 a.m. And I had a flight at like 7 a.m. Brilliant. And he was just hunting me down. But then he'll go and play an insane show. Yeah. I got to see them at St. Luke's last year, the year before, and it was incredible to watch. Amazing band. Mm-hmm. Amazing band. Yeah, I'm glad they're back. They're like, they dipped out for a while and yeah. they had some management issues. And then... Uh, but they're, they're killing yeah, and they're really good. Did you ever try their beer? They brought out? I did not. I was promised some. But Ali. 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 Promised. I will make sure we tag him. Yeah, just yeah so tag that, him. Yeah. Just so that he has to f- have to brew you Where's just one bottle. He also turned down my podcast a couple of times. No, it And now it? I've had like people from Slipknot and Matt Garska <laughs> and stuff. And, and now he's like, yeah, we'll do it one day. I'm like, I don't care if you don't do it. But <laughs> I want to have you on. He's so getting pelters the next time I see him. Yeah. It's, been, it's amazing. Ali's a, a great... When it's, what's especially nice for the shop is Ali was a long-term customer of ours and championed us for years. So to be able to pay it back and have him on was amazing. Yeah. Uh, and it was his very first clinic as well. He hadn't yeah. done one before. and he, hometown he, got, show. he did. He got a hometown show and he got the best audience of the day out of all the drummers that were on that day. They, they were the most attentive... They asked him the most questions. They asked him sensible questions. And he got the kids involved. It was amazing to watch. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah. He needs to do more. He's getting there, I think. Yeah. So What about you, dude? How much of this do you get to do now? This will be my third one. Really? Yeah. So Second one for us and third one overall? Yeah. I did Manchester Drum Show and then I did your other one. Yeah. And then I did this one. Um, oh, this will be my fourth, actually. I did Wembley. But Wembley was like a in-store minor takeover so there's a lot of people there that weren't there to see me oh, okay. so in a way it was a bit weird Right. like I mean the shop's amazing and everyone was nice but in my head it was weird because I was like do half of these this room don't not, I can't even speak English I'm about to speak in front of people for two hours <laughs> <laughs> do half of the people in this room not know who I am and they just and they're, just, uh, they're either bored with the talking side or they're bored with the playing side mm. so it was a bit weird at least with this I know. For you. Yeah, most of them, hopefully. Well, what I liked about when we first had you on in Leeds was I, I think sometimes a clinician can go too much either side. 
like they can either talk too much or talk play too much. Oh, yeah. Whereas you had the right kind of balance, I thought. I, yeah, I, I painfully tried to figure that out because I'm the same. If I see, if I go to a clinic and someone just shreds, I'm like, can you teach me how to do some of that? Or if I go to a clinic where someone's teaching me how to do a double stroke roll for an hour, I'm like, mm-hmm. come on, mate. You've yeah. got to get that. I've actually learned. There's actually one more section of talking in this clinic set than there oh, is in any of the other ones, yeah. Because I th- in my head, looking back on it, I was like, I do need to explain some more things a little bit. Mm-hmm. I suppose that's one of the things, though. It comes from experience. Much like playing, I suppose. Like, you're only going to get better the more you do it. Yeah. You know, so. And it also makes me feel better. If I've played a bit crap, then I can be like, yeah, at least I learned something. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I've done one or two. It's nerve-wracking, man. Like, standing up in front of people that are, that are looking at you. It's ten times worse than... I've played main stage Hellfest in France to 45,000 people, and it's, this is way worse. Yeah, <laughs> 50 drummers in Glasgow yeah. like eagerly awaiting, and they'll ask you questions that you might not be prepped for. And, and they know every mistake when it happens. Let's not talk about this. <laughs> <laughs> but they know. But on the other side, I'm trying to do a sort of message these days. I don't know if you saw on my Instagram, but some kid... Some kid commented on a Vic Firth. Basically, I did Vic Firth filmed the whole of my first clinic. Right. And they messaged me saying, we're going to put this song up next. Do you want it up? And it was one of the ones that I played badly. It was the last set. I was tired. Uh, the last song of the set, I was tired. It just didn't play good. Wasn't rehearsed on it enough. I think I saw this the other day. And then this kid commented <coughs> on it. Feet are all over the place here. Or dragging or something like that. And I was like, and then loads of other kids were replying like, yeah, 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 all this shit. And usually I don't care because I, I literally don't care. It's like some faceless little nerd. I don't care. Yeah, but yeah. this one kid that made the comment, I went to his channel because I always do have a look. Most of the time they're racists for some reason. <laughs> um, but I'll go and have a look. And uh, he had like really good content. Mm. Pro film. It was quantized to fuck. Right. But it was... Uh, I keep swearing. I'm really sorry. It's okay. Um, sorry. It was like quantized, but the video production was incredible and the sounds were incredible. And I, I was like, you know what? I'm just going to reply to this kid. And I replied to him. And I was like, Look, basically, I, not that I have to explain myself to you, but here's the deal. I just played badly. Sometimes when you're lucky enough to get this to where it's your job, most of the time someone is filming you. And do you ever have a 100% good days? No, sometimes someone is going to film your bad day. And it's my, my drum clinic... My first one, I was nervous. That's why I'm rushing. I'm not actually dragging, so you're wrong. Um, I'm rushing, all this stuff. Uh, and then I had a little dig in it as well. And I was just like, yeah, you know, you know, I had the choice. I had this audio. I mixed this audio before it went to Vic Perth. I could have fixed it, but I'm trying to present a realistic image of pro drummers. Uh, so I didn't quantize it. And it's pretty easy to see if something's quantized. Winky face, yeah. right? <laughs> and then... It, he admitted it. He replied. He was like, yeah, I quantize. And I was like, yeah, yeah, well, don't, you know, what is your yeah. channel then? Why You're yeah. just miming. Yeah, yeah. Um, but then a load, I, put, I was like, you know what? I'll just put this on my Instagram. And it got like 3,000 likes of like every drummer that this kid probably looks up to. <laughs> and I didn't realize that he had like a reasonably big Instagram channel. Um, and people were like tagging him in it. But he had like Eloy from Sepultura mm. and Mario from Gojira and stuff like commenting and liking on it. And mm. I was like, because the kid should have just kept his mouth shut mm-hmm. and not been quantizing. Yeah, yeah, totally. 
I put my hands up. It was sloppy. It was sloppy. Yeah, good. But good. Yeah. yeah, because you're human. Exactly. And I'm putting on the internet. And yeah. if anything, it's made me practice that song more yeah. because it was sloppy. But I knew that before. Not the, the kids' comment didn't make me practice it more, but the fact that I watched the video back, I went, <laughs> ooh, <laughs> oh dear. Yeah, like we'll talk about it. You know, you're your biggest critic. You know, you yourself will be. Um, what does Craig Reynolds do when he's not playing the drums? I, I there should have been like a theme tune in there. <laughs> like everybody knows your name. Um, <laughs> when I'm not playing the drums, I have one other hobby, and it's lifting weights. Um, and unfortunately, with both things being so physical, I destroy myself. Mm. Because I'm bored off tour. We got months and months off tour. Right. And I love playing the drums. So I'll play the drums every other day at least. And I love going to the gym. So I'll go to the gym like six days a week. And then I'll get like three weeks in and then I'll hit a brick wall mm -hmm. of being bad at both things because I can't physically recover from it because mm -hmm. I'm 32. No. I think just like getting knackered and I can't take a break from either because. I'm so bored. Mm. I don't. I need a third hobby. Mm. I've tried everything else. I've tried computer games. I've tried all that. And I like it for like two seconds. But mm. I love the drums and yeah. the gym. So I got into latte art. Got pretty good at that. Wow. Oh, yeah. I um, saw that on your Instagram, actually. I got... That took ages. Yeah. It took like six weeks of throwing away or drinking or throwing away at least six coffees a day. Seriously, wow. Yeah. So let's go. let's go deep. Does that mean that you got into properly into brewing and how and like yeah, milk got, consistency and heat and coffee shouldn't be a hundred degrees and I've got it all. I've got the temperature thing. I've got a nice espresso machine. I've got an AeroPress. I've got a gooseneck kettle thing. A gooseneck kettle because I either have black coffee, it'd be either be like mm. a V60 or a filter or an AeroPress, or I'll have a flat white from the espresso machine. I feel like no. On tour, whenever you get a coffee, it's just like, dude, you did it wrong. <laughs> that is, the, you know, the most annoying thing about it is like, even if I buy the most gourmet, I buy the, the best beans that I can afford without my wife being like, why are you spending a <laughs> hundred pounds on coffee beans? <laughs> so I buy like a bag of beans and it's a kilo of beans and it will last me nearly a month and it's 30 quid for the kilo, mm. which seems like a lot of money for coffee when you can go no, to Tesco and get yeah. a two-pound bag of coffee. But... It's not as good, though, right? It's no way near as good. I'm having... Twice a day, I'm having a coffee that I can never match. And if I go to a, if I go to a posh coffee place and then I pay £3.50 and then it's worse than what I make at home, mm -hmm. it's... Because they burn the milk or Livid, 100%, all yeah. the time. Yeah. Or they don't change the coffee filter enough. Yeah. Like, you know, it's proper, like, old school. Yeah. I had that in... Um, I'm not going to say the brand, but... Shame. Yeah. Shame. Yeah, I, I mean... Get the takeout coffee thing like eighty quid a month. Easily do that if you get if you work in the city. Oh, hundred percent. Get off the bus or the train and hit the coffee shop on the way to work. Three pound for a fuck. Three pound for a coffee. Yep. Yep, man. Good save. <laughs> Pro broadcaster. Nailed good it. save. Um, so coffee art is a thing. Is it? Yeah. Are so you getting like throwing knives in? No, but no. coffee art. The thing with coffee art is, I'll take you deeper. Is you got three types of milk in coffee. Right. You got just a normal milk. Mm -hmm. You've got cappuccino foam, right, which has large bubbles, mm -hmm. and then you have micro foam, which has small bubbles, which is what's in a latte, uh -huh. and that's why you can do the art with it. Micro and macro. So when people don't know what 
a uh, flat white or a cappuccino, what's different? Cappuccino has the froth on the top, but a, a flat white is essentially a cappuccino, but it's made with latte milk. And you can only do the pictures when you've got the microphone. And to do that, you need to let the right amount of air in and spin it in the actual cup while you're doing it with the steam wand. Because if you just dump it in, it makes cappuccino foam. But if you ride the top of it and get it to swirl around and just let little bits of air <laughs> in, like this, which looks suspect, yeah. um, you get the latte art stuff. And so you do it with a steam wand? Steam wand on right. an espresso machine. Wow. Do you reckon that you could do Guinness art? You know when you get a pint of Guinness, they draw a shamrock on Give it. Give me six weeks. <laughs> <laughs> and YouTube. And a Guinness pump. And a Guinness pump. Like yeah, that's uh, what uh, Alan must have... It literally took about six weeks. I can't wait for your Instagram on trying to get the Guinness foam. Perfect. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's dangerous, yeah. Six, six <laughs> pint of Guinness today. <laughs> Other than that, I don't really do anything. I need more hobbies. I've thought about playing guitar, but I just don't care. Yeah. I've thought about... We did martial arts for a bit. Yeah, we talked about that earlier. Did Muay Thai for about six months and then, then hurt my yourself. hip. Yeah. And it was just it was just because... I, oh, what am I, I, essentially, what I did was, oh, I need a third hobby because my two other hobbies are too physical. Oh, I know, I'll do a martial art. It's <laughs> 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 so dumb. Really? I, don't have a, like, I don't have a 50% switch on anything. Yeah. Do you find like you need something... Cause I've been doing martial arts really well, and one of the reasons I really like it is it occupies all your brain space. You can't think about anything else while you're doing it. Well, you don't. It's the same with drums and the same yeah, with gym. Yeah. So we don't do things Basically like... Basically, I hate myself. Mount, mountain biking or something, <laughs> like downhill biking or something. It's still athletic, though, isn't it? No. I, try, I tried, honestly, I did try cycling, and then my double kick went to shite. Really? Just, yeah, wow, okay. really bad. Because that's... I was going to say, how does the gym inform the playing? So, I'm... Um, in the midst of an experiment right now, because I have a thing that I talk about on my podcast quite a lot, and every other drummer has it that I know that plays in a metal band, which is just sometimes your feet just don't work. Mm. We can't figure out what it is. Mm. And I'm trying to figure out which muscle it is specifically that fatigues that makes it happen. Because I know a lot of, Diane from Architects, a lot of my friend drummers, they have it, where there's just a night on tour where their feet just will not do what they want to do. Mm. So I'm trying to figure out is it hamstrings? Is it this? Is it that? I thought I had it covered. So what I've done the last three weeks, I haven't done legs at the gym. And I know a lot of people skip leg day anyway, but I'm the opposite. So I'll squat three times a week easily, like heavy as well. So I, in my head, I was like, maybe it's something to do with the fact that I squat so much. Mm. So I've taken three weeks off squatting and deadlifting. I'm not doing any of that. And yesterday, actually, I had a day where my feet were crap. So it's not that. Mm -hmm. So I'm straight back on the squats tomorrow. Oh, man, that's going to be brutal. Adam, but, uh, yeah. Adam started lifting again. Eh? I try to, yeah. But it's... It's the best. Yeah. I do. I purposely do leg day on a Monday because it's like... Man, Get out of the way. Do you know what? And actually a really good thing to start doing is do less more frequently. It's like almost yeah, like what we were talking about earlier. Yeah. So mm -hmm. I will go push day, like bench and yeah, other push yeah. exercises, pull day. So deadlifts, back, legs, mm -hmm. day off, and then repeat that again. I don't know if you want to go to the gym six days a week. Mm -hmm. um, repeat, or even if you took two days off, then repeat yeah. that again, but with slightly different exercises, mm -hmm. and you'll you'll hurt way less. Yeah. But if you take three weeks off, then mm -hmm. it's going to really hurt. That's going to be brutal. Because the recovery, it's weird. The recovery is like, I'll sometimes I'll overdo it on tour, 
and I'll play badly because I've overdone it in the gym. Mm. But then on the flip side, there'll be maybe if the, if there's four or five days in a row where there's been no gym or long drives, I play badly anyway because I'm too tight. Yeah, tired as well, probably. Yeah, so I've so what I've done is I've started warming up. I never used to warm up before I play, and now you can see I've got this yeah, lovely he's little setup. Um, for those of you, well, obviously no one can see. He has Iron Cobra double and a reflex pad, so you're going to put yourself through the paces. Right? And a Gibraltar. Bass drum practice pad, which is the only bass drum practice pad that works. It's the only one that doesn't move. Look at that. Do you think Reflex should make one? I mean, they could, but yeah, that's pretty solid. This is perfect. Yeah. But like all of the other brands, is it weighted differently, or is it just bigger? yeah? It's just it's just they've hit the sweet spot. It's got mm. spurs on it. Like when you see those little tiny ones that just move around, they're for the people that just do this. Yeah. But I need to warm up, like. Yeah. Yeah, 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 actual fast stuff. I think I seen someone on Instagram who they had two reflex pads and they put like one of them on like a. Doesn't Stan Bickner use a whole like reflex pad kit? I think he's got a. He just uses an electric kit kick drum. Right. For his kick though. Wow. He still just has the reflex. That's gonna hurt him. He did have like four or five like yeah. reflex pads. I remember seeing that. Like if you've ever done it, I've done a wedding gig on an electronic kit. Four hours of hitting that is not good. Really? Yeah, oh, it's r- uh, yeah. Because naturally, what happens is you uh, you forget that you don't need to hit it as hard, so you still hit it like you're playing the bass drum, and because you're not moving any air or getting any sound back, despite it being in your ears, you overcompensate. So by mm. the end of the first half, your legs like, no, nah, please stop that. Please don't keep doing that, and then you've got another two hours to play. Where did you get it? Hip fatigue. Well, I it? got it uh, my hamstring and my calf because you'll then. Like this is really really boring. No, then this is not, this is amazing. This is the stuff I'm trying to figure out. Sorry. Then you get things like okay, I've been hitting it really hard. I'm going to play heel down. So you do like forty five minutes heel down. Goes, and yeah. yeah, and you're yeah. just like I haven't played heel down since I was eight years old. <laughs> you know what I mean? So like, or played like if I'm playing, I used to play a lot of jazz music. So if I was playing quietly, then heel down's fine. Yeah, because you're not hitting the bass drum all the time. But if you're playing wedding band tunes and you've got your heel down so then your calf gets it your shin gets it and it's just an ongoing battle between those two yeah something fails and then something else complicates on top of all it's like hitting concrete yeah it doesn't feel very nice you know if you unless you get like Yamaha make a KP120 and it's made from silicon and it feels really good I think that actually might be the one that Um, I I know Roland as you get higher up their catalogue they make uh, mesh ones as well but this one feels nice yeah uh, it looks like like it. it On the subject of wedding gigs, I'm just curious about this. Would you ever do a wedding gig? I did a wedding band when I was 16. It's probably about... No, I was 18 because I definitely was drinking. Um, <laughs> <laughs> from like... Just to get eight, you to get through it somehow, 18, right? I think probably if I did it for about two years. Yeah. And it was great money. And I was playing. It was before. It was when I just had like bands that played in pubs or whatever. Uh, it was great money. I definitely got better at the drums from doing it. Yeah, a lot yeah. of people rag on it, but if you can compartmentalise it. I think, it, luckily, I don't need to do it, but mm, if yeah. it got to the point where I had to get a quote-unquote day job, mm-hmm. it would be that. Mm, yeah. There's no way that I'm going to go to an office or something. No. Yeah. Nor do you want to. Well, oh, like if you've never had to do it and you're 32, yeah. like, that's just not happening. This is the thing I was talking to my wife the other day. It's like, I've only had two jobs. Drums mm, <laughs> and... No, I've had, I had two jobs that weren't drums. Right. And one of them was working in a music distributor. Um, I was working for Plastic Head, which oh, does all the metal stuff oh, cool. down south. Great. It's like 
nuclear blast, metal blade, and everything. Um, which is where my the label that my band at the time was on, so it kind of worked out because if I needed time off, it was yeah, like they understood. Yeah, you can't take that time off, and I'd be like, "Do you want to go into that office there and tell that man <laughs> yeah. that you won't give me time off to do the tour to sell the records that he's trying to sell?" And then they would always just get away with it. Um, and then I worked in an off license, and while I was working in the warehouse, I had a sweet deal where it was like I would do one. One day a week, I wouldn't work, and I was I was started teaching, mm-hmm. started doing a teach drum lessons yeah. thing, and then the more that built up, I just kept getting the days off, and it ended up I'd do Monday to Wednesday on the at the warehouse in the music distributor, and then I would do Thursday Friday teaching, and then they fired me because they were like, you need to be in there five days a week, and then I worked in an off license for the same amount of time. Mm-hmm. And then it got to the point where it was just like, well, now I need to take Wednesdays off because I'm doing Wednesday, Thursday, Friday teaching. And then it got to the point where Monday to Friday was teaching and it was cool. And while I wasn't in a band, I was like between bands doing session stuff. I was teaching and I was doing like 25, 30 lessons a week. Wow. It was unbelievable. I was loaded. (laughs) (laughs) It was so cool. But it was like, if I hadn't had that time off tour, I wouldn't have been able to do that. I wouldn't have been able to like now fund you know that the awkward transition period where you are a professional musician but you do need a day job. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you still teach? No. Now it's got to the point where I don't need to, right. which is but it could be a thing for your 5 months off online lessons or something. I d- I, I do get offered for people doing it and stuff, but I'm like where my studio is, there's like a dodgy set of stairs to get up to the studio and all that stuff. And it's like mostly kids. And I'm like, I just don't want yeah, to teach a kid and it falls downstairs. Yeah. And then I've got, you know, I've got public liability insurance with the MU, but I, <laughs> I don't want to like... That's and the, the yeah. other thing, when I was tour, when I, I was in the transition period, sorry, I'm used to having my own podcast, so I do all the fucking talking. Sorry, it's good. Um, uh, when I was doing the transition period of between teaching and touring when I was just getting in bands that were touring a lot, if I'd go away for two or three months, I'd come back, and they, you just get certain students. I was one of them back in the day. They need a lesson every week yeah, or else yeah, they, they don't do get it, better. Yeah. Yeah. You get bored. And the grades, I could see that my average grade that everyone was getting was getting slightly less mm. on the kids that weren't having the weekly lessons. The kids that would, I would go, look, I'm away for six weeks. Here's your six weeks of stuff to do. And they would do it. They all still passed with flying colours. I never had anyone fail, but... I saw the some were struggling with me being away. So now I'm away six months out of the year, so I can't yeah. really... I still do... If someone messaged me and they're like, oh, can you do a one-off two-hour two lesson, then I'll do it. Right. But I just can't commit to the business. What time is it? I've got yeah, but I'm conscious that in about 20 minutes you need to start playing, so... Yeah, I do start warming up. Yeah, we should let um, Craig go and, and warm up. So your podcast... Yeah. Oh yeah, where can we find you? Yeah. Downbeat. Uh, it's on all the normal podcast things. Apple, Spotify. Stitcher. Got people like Matt Gasker was on the latest one. Mike Johnston. I've just started listening to the Mike Johnston one actually. The guy is an absolute guru. Yeah. Love him to death. Um, who else? V Man from Slipknot. Um, just loads of people. Architects. Dan from Architects. Dan from Carcass. Ali Richardson's not on there yet. <laughs> yet. Um, 
doing a big guy on uh, um, Manchester Drum Show this year, hopefully. Right. Is that podcast related? Doing a big guy. Sorry, that yeah. was, that, that uh, was yeah. not I I mean both. Uh, no, but uh, <laughs> I uh, they just spoke to me and said, oh, "Come on your podcast." I was like, "Yes, definitely." So I can't, I'm not going to say who it is in case it doesn't happen. Yeah, <laughs> as people spoke to your people, you're going to do lunch. We're going to do lunch. Yeah, good. So uh, where can people find you online? At Renlord, R E Y N O R D. Is that right? Yeah, Renlord, R E Y N L O R D. Yeah, that's it. Uh, and it's a stupid name that when I was making my Instagram, I thought I'll make it sound like I'm in a black metal band, even though I'm not, and I just never changed it. <laughs> so is that on the Twitters and the Insta- on everything? Right. Yeah. Okay, it's all the same. Yeah. Cool. Sweet. Well, thank you for your time. Thanks for having me. I hope I'm not going to be bad in front of all these people. Uh, no, I'm sure you'll be amazing. Looking forward to it. Uh, um, we will probably put this out in about six months or something. Probably. So yeah. No, oh, that's the, a long the, time. Well, the first one we took, we we sat on for like a, a month, but we'll probably put this one out quite quickly because the first one is out. If you want my advice, how many are you planning on doing? We don't know. Mm. We have zero plans for it. I like wouldn't we, try we're just, just going to maybe bi-weekly or, or something like that. That's honestly the best to do it, to stay. If it charts, it will stay in the charts. Mm-hmm. And then your monthly listener stats is what anyone ever wants to hear about when they're like getting a guest or whatever. They're going to watch your monthlies. And if you've got an average of 10,000 listeners each episode and you do that twice a month, then you've got 20,000 weekly li- uh, monthly listeners. And then people will just you get guys from Slipknot on it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Cool. Okay. Sweet. Well, cool. thank you very much, man. And I hope Thanks, you uh, enjoy it. Thanks, your guys. See you. Warm up. Woo. So, Craig Reynolds. What a guy. Uh, uh, did you enjoy the clinic, firstly? Do you know, it was amazing. I think what he was able to do, especially on a sort of smaller setup than what he usually uses, he usually uses a 24 inch bass drum. He was using a 22. And it was on a four-piece kit as well. Yeah, man. Like, props. He hits them drums. He does. Uh, you were right about that snare drum. Uh, insane piece of kit yeah. uh, so for those of you that weren't here uh, and if you haven't listened to the first podcast Adam talked about that Craig uses a Tama Bell Brass with Bell Brass hoops yep. uh, and it's amazing it yes. sounds incredible and he's totally right about the, the hoops on their own sounding like Zell Bells yeah I bet like, yeah I'll bet. so it's um, but he we're, we're going to nerd out a little bit on the gear he plays a four-piece kit and plays quite extreme metal uh, and he makes it work really well. Yeah, he's like very few symbols. I think he had two crashes, a China ride, and some stacks and a splash. Mm-hmm. Hats. That was it. Yeah. Um, nothing overly fancy or complex. No. Just all it had to be. Yeah, and it blew my mind. He was playing a minor twenty-one polyphonic ride, and made that ride work for the music. Mm-hmm. I was like, because I was like, really? When I saw it on his set, I was like, he's going to play that, and it was great. Yeah, the bell's mega. It's a huge bell, but the symbol's really thin, and it did not feel like it was out of place at all. Yeah, For a big thin dark ride. He made it work really well. Because you would have thought, from the outside looking in, especially with Craig, you would have thought he would have been using something quite washy, because like of the style of music that he usually like a plays. Mega bell or something. Yeah, you know, something. Like yeah. A noisy kind of like manhole cover or something. Yeah, you know? a little bit. Yeah. But no, it was great. Um, and he taught really well. Mm-hmm. I think. Any clinician that spends time teaching away from the kit like he did on the pad is, uh, yeah, they've just got really dialed in. I thought it was yeah, really that's one thing I said to him even in the chat. Like, obviously, you just, you, you, you've all heard that part, 
Um, hopefully. Mm. <laughs> um, but that's one thing I think he's got a really good balance of. You know, this is his third ever clinic, yeah. or fourth ever clinic, technically. Um, and he just had a really nice balance of, you know, teaching versus performing, you know. Yeah, and, like, was quite happy to step out, out of his um, comfort zone and play some fusion mm-hmm. that he nailed. Yeah. Guy's really great, man. And uh, th- that sounds really surprising. I'm not surprised at all. He wouldn't be where he is totally. if he wasn't amazing. Totally. Um, but it was just great to see a guy who has a inverted commas box. He's in a box. Mm-hmm. Come out of that box and do different stuff. Yeah, totally. Um, and yeah, just a top top geese. Plus, he can eat. Yeah, like man. We had some. <laughs> we had a. We had a Greg's down. Um, he had like three vegan sausage rolls or something. Oh, so that's its own story as well, the Greg's. So <laughs> we got a, a Just Eat to the shop um, because obviously we were all working at the shop, so we couldn't leave and go and get food. And there was like a Greg's about two or three miles away that was still open till like half past seven. And it was like touching cloth, man. Like it was close. <laughs> I don't know if we're allowed to say that on here, but I've said it anyway, it's too late. Um, it was like close call before Craig was starting his clinic yeah. and we obviously had to record the podcast, so... <laughs> Just Eat Driver got lost Gordon was freaking out He was out in the rain Trying to find this guy uh, The guy was phoning them They were batting it Back and forward I'm saying I saw him Get into a car at one point <laughs> And pull someone Out of the car yeah. Give it, He's got Yeah it was funny um, So Craig Threw his dinner Down his face Podcasted Warmed up And then went and played Quite amazing to watch yeah. Um But yeah I Just a Really great uh, Sort of addition To our our uh, clinic roster now that we've yeah. had. Um, lovely fella, cracking lad, cracking player. Mm-hmm. Pleasure. Totally. Who so have we got coming up next, Chris, for uh, clinics? Benny Greb. Benny Greb. Yeah, Benny Greb's coming to both our branches. He's coming to Leeds on Halloween. And then Are we going to dress up for that? Well, I'll be in Glasgow, so I'll probably be entertaining the, the kids of my new street because apparently the street I live in, Halloween is a massive deal. Is it really? It is. And also, really strangely, they have it on the 30th and not the 31st. No, why is I, that? I don't know. You don't know? I don't know. I'm sure someone will tell me. But uh, I will... Uh, I don't know. Thursday night, I'll probably be off that night because it's my day off. So I, th- I think Jake should dress up. Jake's always game for dressing Jake, up. Jake's always... So Jake. I wonder if Benny will dress up. How cool would that be? How cool would it be, right? I had this thought last week. How cool would it be if someone dressed up as Benny Greb and got a photo with <laughs> Benny Greb? Three pair of drumsticks to the first person to do that. Um, and I'm talking, like, you can't skimp on it. I no. want, like, if you're going to go Benny Greb, you shave your head. Yep. Like, no totally. bald cap no. at all. Yep. Grow your beard. Yep, do it. Start now. Yep. Um, and then we have him here in Glasgow on Friday the 1st of November in the Mitchell Theatre. Uh, so very, very, very much looking forward to that. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm actually going to get to see him twice this year because he'll as a, as a you actually because he'll be at the UK drum show. That's right, yeah, on we're the going Saturday down. night. So I feel like a Benny doubleheader is is exactly where it's at. I mean, like I, I'm happy enough seeing Benny once, let alone yeah. twice. You know? well, this will be his third visit to Drummers Only. Um, 2006, I think. I want to say like 2012, and now. So yeah, it's like. Did he come in two thousand six? Yeah, he I was did the not know that. second or third clinic that the shop ever put on. Wow. Him and Rodney Holmes and Ryan Ross, who was teaching with us at the time, mm-hmm. uh, they did a, a triple header, and I missed it because I had a gig, I think, or I had something on that I couldn't get out of, uh-huh. and it was already booked before the clinic was booked. And um, so yeah, I unfortunately didn't see it. 
Um, but Man. I did see some video footage of it, and it was very, very, very good. You must have been kicking yourself. I was raging. Um, and Rodney Holmes was really big deal at the time because he had just done the Modern Drummer show the year before. Mm-hmm. So Benny was actually supporting Rodney Holmes. Wow. So it was Ryan, then Benny, then Rodney. That, that was the way it went. Isn't it crazy how it the is. world works? Yeah, because Benny hadn't quite hit the stratosphere at that point. He was yeah. very much on the way. But he hadn't brought out his DVDs. He mm-hmm. hadn't done any of the cool stuff he's, he's subsequently done. Yeah. Uh, and then the second time we put him on was a clinic in his own right. And he was, I mean, he was amazing. And he did a meet and greet with everyone that wanted to hang. So he was signing autographs for the guts of an hour. Wow. 90 minutes. Because it's like his thing. But yeah. After the clinic, he makes sure that he meets everybody. Because some people don't want to ask questions. Mm-hmm. So they, act, they get to ask him the question mm-hmm. in the lineup. Yeah, um, and he spends time with everybody. He's amazing. How did you find? Because you're usually the, I guess, for lack of a better term, the artist liaison between all the the clinicians we have in the shop. How did you find it meeting Benny Greb for the first time? Um, well, these guys like Benny are so super chill that it's just like meeting one of your pals. Yeah, there's no weird egos or airs and graces. It was great, man. Mm-hmm. It was just yeah. Super cool. I've heard that about everybody who's met Benny Greb. Is yeah. like, it's kind of similar to meeting Mike Johnson, I've heard. It's like, they've got all the time in the world for you because yeah. you've spent your money, your hard-earned money to come and see them. So yeah, because the way they see it is that you're investing in them. Yeah. So time, and you're right, money, time, all that stuff. is You're, you're investing in, in them as people and them as players. Uh, and he wants to get back. Yeah, so totally. Yeah, you know, he was super cool, man. Yeah, no, nothing but about good things to say about. about yeah, I've, I've, I don't think there's been anybody mental in all the clinics we've put, we've put on over the years. There's yeah. been no one who's been difficult at all. You guys have been pretty sh- not strategic. That's the wrong word to use, but pretty. I suppose pretty lucky in the way of like you've never had that like diva. If you will, no, like not that anyone is, but no, it's really, really simple. They send you through a rider, and you just make sure that everything on the rider is there, and don't give anybody any cause for complaint. Yeah, totally. So you know, if if someone sends through a request and you don't meet it, it's maybe quite integral to them on their travels, to them doing their clinic. Mm-hmm. You know, that there's people tend to stress. Uh, what they want for a reason. Yeah. You know, most drummers that come, if they haven't got a kit rig in the country, like Simon Phillips had a rig in the UK. Mm-hmm. He's got a rig in, or he's got a rig in Europe, like a rig in America and a rig in the Far East. Mm-hmm. So you, they just send him the kit. It's like, we don't even have to worry about that. But yeah. If he's like, I need the X, Y, and Z, can you please provide it? And you don't, well, mm-hmm. you're already on the back foot. Yeah, totally. So, you know, I mean, Todd Zuckerman had a... His drum request was really simple. Uh, he gave us a list of, like, four pedal ranges. It can be this kit from any one of these ranges. Mm-hmm. I'm not precious about it. The one thing he was really precious about was the drum stool. Mm-hmm. He had a very specific drum stool he wanted. So you just make sure that that's there and we're all good. Yeah. What know? was it? Do you remember? It was a 40-quid drum stool. I'm not kidding. It was like a it was like a, a, a D790 or something. Wow. It was just like he, he, he sits on... A really cheap throne. Really? Yeah, wow. that was his only request. And it was like, and it was in bold, like it had to be that. So yeah, you just make sure that that's there and we're done. We're, yeah. we're good. So if you do that with everybody, you know. Yeah. And that's how we do it. And I guess for me, before I was even a an employee of the store, like I always, 
I always got the vibe that from clinicians coming into the shop that they were always excited about coming here because maybe it is just like that. Like they've heard from, you know, because the music industry isn't really all that big when you really look at it. Like no, everyone knows everyone. Industry. Yeah, so obviously word gets round. You know. Well, so maybe yeah. I, I don't know. Uh, all I know is we we try our best to do a good job and make people feel at home. Yeah, you know, especially if you've come from the states, these guys have travelled a long way, man. Mm-hmm. They're missing their families. You know, they they're they're not in their usual routines. They're probably really tired. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so you just make sure you take care of them and make it really simple. Yeah. And you know, read the room if they're busy. Mm-hmm. Don't ask them questions. Mm-hmm. It's like don't get in anybody's face. Like it's just like if you're busy at work. Mm-hmm. And someone's asking you silly questions about, you know, what you ate for dinner last night. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, you just like. I mean, you do ask me that yeah, when I'm like, busy, but you know. Yeah, but you'll go like, dude, go away. Dude, you know, fresh I mean? and chips. Yeah, obviously. You know, so it's like as long as you're not, as long as you're sensitive to what they're doing and what they, they're there to work. Mm-hmm. Like, they're not there. They'll they'll do the hang later. That will come later on. Yeah, and we can ask all the questions we like, but when they're working, they're working. Yeah, dead easy. Same as when Craig was here; like he was more than happy to sit and chat with us for a while. Yeah. But then it was like, okay, like because you obviously you know, like these guys have to obviously they're here to put on a show. Yeah, so totally, we, we were very respectful and just yeah. like, man, if you've got, have you got enough time? Yeah. You know, you know, you needed so. time to warm up. So okay, cool, right? We've had that. We're done. Yeah, let's go. You know, and that's it. Hopefully, we just keep on keeping on getting it right. Keep on trucking. <coughs> as they so say. it's been a big um, minor focus with Connics, with Craig, um, and with Benny coming. And you went to the factory. I did go to the factory. How was that, man? It was pretty surreal, if I'm totally honest, because I have always known Mino. It's it's kind of like the best way I've described it to people is you know that way you see the Heinz logo everywhere. Yeah. Uh-huh. And then all of a sudden you're in the place where it's made. It doesn't quite feel right mm-hmm. in a way. It's like, yeah. what am I doing at this place? Yeah, yeah. Because you're so used to seeing it as just like this logo or in our case, this symbol or this brand. Yeah. It's like when you're actually in the place where it all happens, it's a bit kind of bizarre and surreal. Um, so me and Jake went. Uh-huh. Uh, we went with Joe, um, our minor rep, and uh, a wonderful man who met us there by the name of uh, Lorenz. Um, and he was lovely, or Lawrence, or I, mean, I, yeah. I wasn't sure how to, to properly pronounce. pronounce, yeah, but he was cool. Um, the, v- the vibe I got straight off the bat as soon as we landed in Germany was how chill Meinl are. Right. Like, Meinl are dudes. Oh, like, yeah? Totally. Like, they're just so chill. Right. Nothing's really an issue. And there's that overwhelming sense of nothing's an issue even if it, you get that vibe, even if there's a catastrophic problem, right. like nothing's like, there's not the, like your typical, like you're out of a job, yeah, like yeah. that kind of thing, you know, <laughs> like they're not like running about, pulling each other's hair out, going, what do we do? Like everything's very like, okay, no, it's fine. We've got a procedure for this. Let's, right. let's go and chill. You know? oh, cool. It's not that they're, that might come across as maybe they don't care, but they absolutely do. That's the one thing that, that makes it so chill because right. they care so much that there's not, they know they're good at what they do. So there's not a problem, hmm. you know, That'd be great. Um, so the factory, we arrived at the factory. So there was it was a two day trip. We arrived initially at the kind of the HQ. So Mino HQ, believe it or not, is like made up of a, I guess effectively five buildings. So there's their main kind of office, and that's where they have all the show pieces. So 
a lot of people might not know this, but in Europe, uh, Mino also handle tama drums. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when you walk in, like certainly into the big kind of instrument kind of room, <laughs> I guess for lack of a better word, um, there's like loads of tama kits. So there's like star walnuts, star right. maples. There's like all the range of tamas that they do. Um, and then of course there's every line of symbol that they do as well. Um, so it was really cool. We got to kind of jam and, you know, like there was a, a, a dedicated room for people to go in and just wow. play drums. Sweet. Like, so we were like, is this, is this all right? Is this, can we just go in here? And Lawrence was like, yeah. yeah. People wow. just come in here on their lunch break and just jam. Like, no way. And it's crazy. Like everyone in that factory is like incredible. Mm-hmm. Like player. Yeah. Yeah. Lawrence as well. So yeah. we, it was like me, Joe, Jake and Lawrence all in this room just kind of having a four way mm-hmm drum battle wow. I guess even though he smoked all of us because <laughs> he's awesome um, so yeah so the main factor was cool um, how did you find it picking symbols it looked really like it looked like the best task in the world like oh, yeah. it's probably not easy and you probably went ear blind or do you know what I mean like yeah. you, you, after a while you just kind of hear the same thing there's a total process to that so like you're totally right after like it's, there's certainly the worst things you could be picking between, yeah, you know, yeah. like, um, like which what do you want for your dinner? Spaghetti <laughs> hoops or, yeah, yeah. you know. Um, but yeah, so like, basically the Mino Vault is so nonchalant. It's, it is like a room, like just a small little room. Corridor thing. Almost a little bit, yeah, but there's like obviously all the Mino symbols in there. So like, for us, I was freaking out because this is, this is amazing. But yeah, yeah. again, because of how chilled our nature is, it's not a very grand, like, welcome to the final <laughs> vault. You know, like, proper Gandalf standing there. Like, yeah. um, It's just very chilled. And, um, but picking the symbols, that was very difficult because they all sounded incredible. Right. Um, one of the hardest ones, actually, funny you mentioned it, was a polyphonic ride. Oh, really? Because they were all so consistent with each other. Right. They were like, man, like they all sound great. And like some had little like pitch differences here and there, but not much. So that was quite hard to choose one of those because I knew we wanted we wanted to bring one of those back, yeah. and it was just trying to actually pinpoint one that we we both liked. Right. Um, the extra dry stuff that was again same direct sound, but like all the overtones could be slightly different from each other. Wow, sounds cool. So they all again they all sounded great, but. There was some that maybe it's like, ah, I prefer the darker tones in this one or I prefer right. the washiness of this one. This one opens up a little bit easier, you know. Yeah. So it's quite cool. And like I guess we were very fortunate to be in the position of having six of the same symbol mm-hmm. or five of the same symbol or whatever and being able to be like, okay, test this one, test this one. I'm like, wow, there's like, this one has things that this doesn't. Mm-hmm. And like, this one's a bit sharper, this one's a bit washier this it's really cool man yeah, it's, cool. It's, it's an experience but you do like they do say that you have to take regular breaks right because it's the same as like imagine if you were just standing in here and hitting cymbals all day like yeah, yeah. eventually you do go ahead and go ear blind a bit yeah, and everything yeah. even cymbals that sound totally different from each other sound the exact same wow it's okay. frightening yeah, like, yeah, yeah um did they give you like different sticks to try them with or was it just the same pair or they gave it th- so there was like there was like five cymbal stands effectively um, and there was a few hi-hat stands as well that all had conveniently minor sticks, of <laughs> course. Um, so I t- I, me, personally, I tried to pick the same stick all the time. Right. So I always had like a hybrid 7A so that I could always test the same symbol. So I know there was no like third-party stick in there sure. to kind of influence my decision. Like right. I knew if I'd played it all with the same stick and I'd found a symbol I liked, that's the one I'm, I'm uh-huh. going to go with, you know. Mm. Um, 
But it was amazing and seeing how they make it as well, how they make Byzance is pretty oh, awesome. Oh, so you actually got to the foundry or? We got to see... Well, no, because that's, t- that's in Turkey, isn't it? Yeah, so they, uh, so Minel have their own kind of Minel Turkish symbol factory mm-hmm. where they make all the Byzantine symbols and they're sent across to Germany to be finished. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's So, right. like, seeing, like, symbols before they're sandblasted yeah. and, like, Joe was telling me that it was a symbol that you wouldn't have even thought was, like, a, a sand ride. He was like, that's a pre-sand ride sand ride. Wow. And it's like, whoa, that's... Really? Yeah. It's like, yeah, man, yeah. Did you get to hit it? We didn't get to hit it, no. Uh, so they're all... Just hear what it hears, sounds like. Oh, of course. Before they sandblasted. Before it sandblasted, yeah, absolutely. Um, we were showing around, um, and it was just amazing just to see how how all these these symbols are just finished and, and yeah. made, you know. Um, I can't remember the name of the guy who showed us around, but it was right. basically like... Byzance is his brainchild, oh, basically. Really? So wow. the the guy who like all the ideas that come for Byzance. Oh wow! Yeah, I can't remember cool. his name, and I feel horrible, and I feel like we should probably edit it in if I remember. Mm-hmm. Um. But yeah, because like Joe was kind of freaking out a little bit. He's like, "Dude, that's like, <laughs> it's like, hey man, that's that's the that's the dude, Mister Byzance, literally Mister Byzance." So much. did he talk about like? The Byzance concept and the it six degrees of darkness. He spoke that. about it kind of briefly how all that came about and like how like how just all these lines are decided and all that. Obviously, all, a lot of it's dependent on weight. Um, yeah, the weight of the casting and all that. Stuff. Yeah, all that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, showed us the sandblasting machine, um, which is literally like it is literal the, the literal definition of sandblasted. Right. Like they put the symbol in a machine, blast it with a high velocity of sand and the symbol spins and it kind of seems like it goes into the grains of the symbol so it's like it's crazy it's like really really cool though and uh, we got to see how all their even their beginner lines of symbols like their HCS stuff's made and like what I thought was really amazing about Minel and having not been to any other factory I I don't know if any others are the same but even down to their very low end symbols like a pair of hands still touches it Mm -hmm. in some way like the HCX, all the effect HCS, sorry, all the effect stuff is like after a machine has cut out all the the you know the long holes in the yeah. symbol, like one guy literally sits and smooths every hole like oh, wow. with one tool and like apparently they're working on a way of not having to do that anymore. Yeah. Um, because it was just like it can be quite uncomfortable to do it after a while. Um, so they need to take a lot of breaks because um, if you imagine it, you're basically grinding a big bit of metal all yeah, day, yeah, you know. Yeah. And by the time they finish one symbol, they're on to the next one. So, but it's amazing that even that that like even at their lowest point where they can make any money financially, they're still having a pair of hands wow. touch it. It's not just completely machined, you know. Yeah. Um, Did you see any percussion? We saw some percussion, yeah, in the big room where all the the tama kits were mm-hmm. and all the minor symbols were. Like they have a cajon that's shaped like a guitar. Oh wow! So it's in that kind of shape. There's only one of it um, in the world, I believe. Wow. Um, so it's it's pretty cool. Yeah, that pretty sounds amazing. like a great time, man. Factory visits are great. Um, I've been on a, a couple, and it's yeah, like trips like that are great. Going to Zildjian was was like that as well. You know, you get to, I got to meet Paul Francis, who's your, your you know, same as your minor brainchild. He's the yeah. the Zildjian brainchild, and just l- like picking the brains of these guys and talking to them about it, it's amazing. Mm-hmm. You know, just seeing the process, it's just great. Mm-hmm. The whole like sort of to me means that you can inform customers mm-hmm. which is rad you know like if people have questions you can now answer them yeah 
you know, if, if people are talking to you about Byzance, you get, well, actually, it's like this, it's like that, and the mm-hmm. reason for this is this, and et cetera, et cetera, you know, that's yeah. a really, really valuable process, mm-hmm. really valuable process. And it's quite cool, like, I sometimes stand in the shop and look over at, like, one of the symbols we picked out, say it's like a vintage light ride mm-hmm. or something. It's like, man, like, about a month ago, that was in a factory in Germany, and it just took me just actually picking it out, yeah, and yeah. now it's here. Like, it's yeah. crazy. Like, it's crazy how, how cool that is. But you're right, you, you gain a totally different perspective once you see how something's made. I suppose it'd be like anything, but, mm-hmm. like, you do, and especially coupled with the people. And, man, let me tell you, mine own Germany love their coffee. Oh, really? Their coffee is amazing. There's, like, a coffee room, like coffee machine all uh, everywhere. I imagine Reynolds goes and ends up being a barista. <laughs> <laughs> Just that would making be awesome. everybody's latte art. <laughs> um, uh, if you could go to any factory, where would you go? Any drum-related I was going to say... I don't say, like, BMW or something. <laughs> like, I don't care about that. Like, Puma. No. Um, any kind of drum factory. We saw the Puma factory. We drove past the oh, Puma, really? the Puma oh, factory on the way to the, the, the factory. So there you go. Um, where would I go? I think I would actually go to Zildjian. Right. I think Zildjian would be okay. pretty cool because... A lot of my favourite drummers play Zildjian, mm-hmm. and I just think it'd be really interesting. Yeah, yeah. But you've, you've already ticked that. Yeah, well, they, I love the, the they take you on a history tour, you know, so you can see there's like there's a wall that has, um that's been painted with, like, the history of Zildjian, and it takes mm-hmm. you through, like, the tree of the tree of knowledge um <laughs> about how they started, when they started, et cetera, et cetera. And you get to see, I got to see things like Buddy Rich's kit, because you get to sit behind it, and mm-hmm. it's like, this is the greatest thing in the world, Buddy Rich's kit, man, you mm-hmm. know, with these original symbols. Wow. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty cool. Original heads and all that as well. Yeah, like? yeah, like the heads that Buddy had played. They haven't changed the heads out and all that. It's like wow. Like the last person to play this kit was Buddy Rich. That's. I take it they don't let you play on it. No, no, no. It's, it's uh, there's no sticks or anything beside it, but it's also it's a museum piece. Right. Yeah. Of so course. So like uh, you can get behind it for a photo and all that, but it's a museum piece. You yeah. Can't, you you can't touch it. Do they have any other kits there as well? Yeah, like they from do. Other they have an artist lounge, but it was busy that day. There right. was a guy in picking symbols. I don't know who he was. Um, was over for a tour, so they, you know, you can. There's a room. In fact, it's been in like the Zildjian videos mm-hmm. when you see artists playing the cymbals. I've been in that room. Wow. Yeah. So if you go onto YouTube and you check out like Zildjian factory tour and artists playing, mm-hmm. yeah, there's an artist lounge where you can go and play. So there was a guy in picking cymbals that day. So we never really got to see. I think the two lounges you go in, so we never got to see it. But like the history of the room, you know, like Buddy would have been in that room. That's insane. All those guys, you know, like um, all those old Louis Belson and Max Roach and all these Zildjian artists in their heyday way back when would have been in that room picking out symbols and stuff, you know. So It's crazy to think about it like that, yeah, eh? It's pretty amazing, man. Pretty yeah. amazing. Um, the factory's massive. Mm-hmm. It doesn't look huge, but it's really big. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so they have, um, you, you, you've got to get, uh, did you have to wear like headphones in Mino when you were on the factory floor? Mm. Like not really. Yeah, not really. We like had that kind of stuff on gl- safety goggles and all that. Yeah, all that stuff. See, that's what I mean. Mine were so chill. They're just yeah, like, ah, it's fine. Yeah, it's we cool. Don't, we don't care about you. Right? No, I'm kidding. The, um, the only the only place we had to like they they were the, they advised that we covered our ears when we were in the hammering room. So that was yeah. where they hammered like a lot of the pure alloy stuff. Yeah. Know? So when you go into Zildjian, one of the first rooms that you go into on the factory floor is where stuff gets hammered. So you have to have your protection right away. Mm-hmm. Um, the 
the ovens and the the melting room are in a different part of the factory. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's but they they give you uh, safety goggles and headphones actually. So it's a it's a headphone guided tour. Oh, cool! So you all wear little headphone packs and and they, they Paul Francis talks as you go around it. You know, right. So um, so that you can properly hear. So he's not shouting over massive industrial machinery. Yeah. And then there's a sh- uh, another separate room where this guy called Leon, who's like 70 years old and has been testing Zildjian symbols since the 60s, still tests the symbols. It's pretty amazing. So he'll get, like, say that that day he was doing A customs. Uh-huh. So he was doing A, cu- I think he was doing 18 inch crashes. And they have what they call a tuner and a standard. So the tuner is like the optimum uh, Zildjian sound of that particular symbol, and the standard is the lowest that they're willing to accept. Mm-hmm. And he hits symbols and has to determine whether or not they fall within that bracket. And if they fall wow. outside of that bracket, they get remelted. And he knows, like, within six seconds if it's standard. Wow. And he's been doing it for years. How many, did, did he say on average how many symbols he hits a day? Over 100. Wow. Yeah, he's like, he's hitting just, you know, just to, I mean, if you're there for eight hours and you've got, you know, a, however many A customs come off the line and then however many K's come off the you know. Yeah. So he does a lot, man. He hits a lot of symbols. Mm-hmm. He's pretty great. Yeah. And there's pictures of him with Buddy Rich and all that. He would they would he would pick out symbols for these guys. Yeah. So they would like, I want X, Y, and Z and he would hit them and send them what he thought was right. Wow. Right. Did right, he ever man. get it wrong at nah. any point? No. Nah. That's why he's still on the job. Yeah. For like fifty years. <laughs> you know. He's amazing. He's really amazing. So that's yeah. insane, man. Yeah, that's that was a great experience. Wow. Great experience. Do you know what I will say? Like, just going back to Mino as well, is the facility, just when you get on the Mino property, is amazing. Really? Like, uh, what a sight to behold. It's almost quite futuristic, in a way. Like, it's really, really cool, man. Yeah. Like, just just all the stuff they have going on, like, it's just, I, I, I like, walking around the halls and you, like, you see, like, symbols and all that, like, of, like, the, f- the very first... They, they have a room... Or they have like an office space where the very first, like, or maybe not the very first, but the very first batch of Benny Greb's like sand stuff. Like oh, they no have way. one of the symbols, like wow. that was like from one Prototype of the very first. Vibe. Yeah, sort of. Wow. Yeah. Um, and they all have the stuff from the Minor Drum Festival, mm. and like, um, there's like lots of different like little memorabilia that you just kind of look at and be like, man, that's cool. Yeah, I, f- I totally like you've sparked a memory. That's what you see in Zildjian when you walk in the door, like Travis's kit. Trey Cool's kit, wow. Rango's kit, Ginger Baker's kit are all set up in the foyer with uh, their symbol that they would have played. <laughs> oh, no way. Kits. Yeah, it's wow. pretty rad, man. Um, yeah, I totally forgot about that. Um, and there's a car in the foyer, and I can't remember who bought it. I think it was, I don't know if it was Armand or, or before that, that like belonged to one of the the elder Zildjian guys. No way. Yeah, wow. it's pretty cool, man. Um, and there's like, I'm I'm sure there's uh, there's paperwork and and folders that for when they bought metal and stuff way back when and mm-hmm. when they you know that kind of thing um, or like I don't know if they do I I recently saw this online actually it was John Bonham's first pasty order wow like the actual handwritten slip of mm-hmm. the symbols that he requested so I think they've got kind of memorabilia like that dotted around mm-hmm. it's pretty rad man that's awesome yeah it's really cool. So yeah, um, that would have been great, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm glad yeah. you enjoyed it. It's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. it's a There's good one for your first one. Yeah, definitely. Like, and I think like big shouts to uh, Lawrence and Joe, and of course Jake for making sure I didn't die when I was <laughs> over there. 
Um, yeah, it was yeah. awesome. Rad. Really cool. Rad. Um, so, yeah, I think, uh, I mean, this has been podcast number two. I think we've covered enough, you know, because Craig's great. So that we don't want to talk too much over the top of that and, and bore you all um, with our, our nonsense. Um, mm-hmm. So we'll drop this. Oh, well, you'll know because you'll be listening to it. Yeah. Um, drop it like a hat. Yeah, totally. So we'll get it edited and get it out really quick. Um, we've got some cool stuff coming up. I'm not going to mention any names, but we've got some cool people that we're going to interview. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the next one will probably just be you and I. Let us know as well if there's anything you want us to talk about Aye, specifically, yeah. because that would be cool. Yeah, just um, f- feel free to drop us a line uh, at the shop info at drummersrolling.co.uk or on mm-hmm. the Facebook page or on the Instagram page. We're on most of your major uh, podcast places now, so we're on iTunes, we're on Google. Uh, we'll be on Spotify soon. The the I think b- hopefully because it's relatively new to us, that's why it's taken a bit of time to get yeah. these on these platforms. It took about a week to get on iTunes, mm-hmm. something like that. But yeah, we're all there now. So yeah. um, keep yeah. an eye on the website as well for some new stuff that's coming in the door. We've mm-hmm. got new stuff coming in and out of the door all the time. We are same with pre-owned. Always worth keeping an eye on. We'll be at the UK Drum Show this year. We're there with Sonar, uh, which is the weekend of the twentieth. And 21st and 22nd of September uh, in Manchester. The Monday, we're doing nothing when we come back. The Tuesday, we have Matt Garpska, who is all sold out. Yeah. Um, I sold a pair of his hi-hats last week. Did you? I did. So that's, they're gone they already? They are gone. The Equilibrium hats have gonzo team. Um, so if you want some, we'll need to get some more. we still got the China, the way. Yeah, we do. So at least that'll be... Well, hopefully... It'll Hopefully it won't be here for him because that means somebody's bought it. Yeah, that'd be cool. Um, but yeah, it, it, it might still be around. So yeah, um, but he'll have his signature hats uh, on the night, I would hope, mm-hmm. um, I would imagine. So yeah, you'll get to hear them getting played. And yeah, looking forward to hearing another drumming monster. So. Totally. Uh, Till then though, thanks for tuning in. Thank you all. And uh, we'll catch you next time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.